I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. The book of Hebrews is written to a group of believers, and we know this because the, the writer identifies himself with them as a believer and them as believers. He calls them brethren. He speaks of them, of, of people who are um, accomplishing and experiencing only things that believers can experience. And he's writing to them not because they are potentially going to lose their salvation, but because they have fallen to the side, they have failed of the grace of God. They have failed to experience what God's grace can do in their lives. If we're honest as believers, as followers of Christ, there has been times in all of our lives when we look back when we would say, you know what, I wasn't living, I wasn't experiencing the full benefit of what God wanted me and had for me in that moment. I was failing of the grace of God. And that's what this passage is about this morning. It's a danger and a challenge to every one of us. It's easy for us to look at people who are obviously bitter and angry and resentful and critical and identify them as those who have a problem with bitterness. I'm reminded of the man who went and joined a monastery and Part of his vow at that monastery was a vow of silence, but it was a unique vow of silence. Once a year, he could say two words. And so he went and he joined this monastery and he, he prayed and he meditated and he read the scriptures for a year and he spent this time. And they, he came before the head of the order and he said two words. He said, bed hard. And that's all he said. And he left the room and he went out and spent a whole another year praying and meditating and he came in the second year and he sat down to say his two words and he said food bad and the man sent him out he spent another year never said a word for the third year and finally he came in the third year and he sat down and he looked at the head of the order and he said two words I quit and the man said well you might as well you've done nothing but complain ever since you got here so we look at people like that, and look, we all know people. Don't look around, don't start elbowing your spouse, but we all know people who are very evidently and obviously bitter, angry, resentful people. Probably some come to mind. But that's not exactly who the writer of Hebrews is addressing in this passage. He's addressing those, and he goes a little bit deeper because every one of us as believers, if we're not careful, there is the danger of this poisonous plant of bitterness springing up and dwelling in our hearts. And so he gives this admonition. I want you to see, follow with me. I'm going to read verse 14 down through verse 16 to get the entire sentence. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Now, I want to pause there before I go on and say, this is a command for us to obey. Follow after peace with all men and holiness. Now, if you have had no other commandments in Scripture, those two would be enough to keep most of us busy for a, quite a while. Follow peace with all men. Some people are easy to live at peace with. Some people are not. But he says, follow peace with all men and holiness. That is a rightness in the presence of God. It is a wholeness, a completeness in the presence of God. 
Our relationship with others and our relationship with God go hand in hand. Jesus, or John said in 1 John, how can we say that we love God whom we've not seen if we can't love our brothers whom we have seen? And if we have ought against him, he said, if you come to God in prayer and you remember that you have an ought with a brother or sister, go and make that right and then come into the presence of God. And so he says, here's this command. We are to, uh, we are to be in a right relationship with others. We're to be in a right relationship within ourselves without, verse 14, the last half, without which no man shall see the Lord. This is not talking about seeing him when we go to heaven. This is talking about what he's talked about through the book of Hebrews. You have to follow the, the context and follow the themes. He's talking about that privilege that we have as believers. This is not about our relationship. It's about our fellowship with God. Understand that your relationship with God is the same. We are, if you're his child, you are his child. That does not change. But your fellowship with him can be affected. That's why back earlier in Hebrews, he says that when you come into the presence of God, we are to have our hands washed with, they're to be purified with the water, really the water of the word. We're to be cleansed. We're to come into God's presence. Who shall stand in the holy hill of the Lord, the psalmist said. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. So our relationship does not change, but our fellowship with God is affected if we are not living at peace with others and if we are not living in holiness. So there's a, a command to obey. And let me just say that what, that what we're talking about this morning is going to take effort. We cannot do it on our own. But then there's also a caution to heed in verse 15. Looking diligently. This means beware. Take care. You wouldn't need the warning if this wasn't a danger to us. You have to be very diligent. You can't just look, oh, I think I'm okay. No, you have to look careful. You're on guard. You're being aware. If you walk into a yard and you see a sign that says, Beware of the dog. Um, I recommend, on personal experience, being aware of the dog. Some years ago, I, we took some of our students out on a visitation project, and we were asking questions, getting prospects for the adults to come back later and share the gospel with them. And we got to this yard, and the sign said, Beware of the dog. And the two young men that were with me, they panicked. And sort of, you know, being the kind, compassionate youth leader that I was, I said, Y'all are the biggest sissies in the world. Give me that clipboard. So I took the clipboard and I went up and I knocked on the door. Two things happened simultaneously. One, the young lady that came to the door, the two young men in the car found her quite attractive and were suddenly angry that they didn't go to the door. And the second was, was that Gizmo came out the door. Beware of the dog. Gizmo was about that size right here. But he had an attitude about like this. And Gizmo uh, got a hold of the calf of my leg and he, he couldn't quite get his mouth around it. He was, that's how small he was. But he was literally hanging there off my leg. He had his mouth, sunk, and he, his teeth couldn't even go through my jeans. And he's hanging there. And so this girl comes to the door, and here I am standing there with her dog. And she says, Gizmo, let that man go. <laughs> Gizmo hadn't got me. Gizmo can't go of himself. So I learned, of course, there's some other parts of that story, but I learned when the sign says, beware of the dog, I'm going to be watching carefully. If you're on a trail and you're walking through the woods and you see a sign that says caution, or if you're at work and you see a, an area that says uh, don't go beyond this mountain, you pay attention. And that's what this diligent, he says, let us look diligently. 
Let us beware, let us be careful. That tells me that what he's going to talk about is something is very important for us to watch for. He goes on to say three lests. Looking diligently, first of all, lest any man fail of the grace of God. What does this mean? It's falling behind. It's not keeping up with the movement and the work of divine grace in the progress of a Christian. It's me not being where I ought to be in my spiritual development. It's very easy for us to look at one another, and maybe you do this. When you begin to evaluate your Christian life, you look around and you find somebody else who's not quite as spiritually mature as you, and you think, hey, I'm doing pretty good. That's what the Pharisees did. They look around, and remember the Pharisees said, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like this person. And sometimes we look at people in church, and we look at people in our family, and we look around and we say, man, I'm sure glad I'm... I may not be everything I ought to be, but at least I'm not this person. That's, that's what he's, he's telling us to evaluate based on where should I be based on the work of grace in my life. Am I keeping up with this? Am I keeping pace with the movement of grace in my life? And he's not. So that's the first warning. He says, lest there be any that fail of the grace of God. The second one, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and many be thereby defiled. And then the third one is in verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. These are not only parallel with each other, there's a progression here that starts when we fail in allowing the work of grace in our life. If we're not careful, then that bitterness will begin to develop and that bitterness will bring us to the place where a profane person is a person that's of no use. I don't want to get to that point. I want to deal with it. Right in the middle of it, here's this warning. This is the text this morning. There's the root of bitterness. It's both the evidence that we have failed in the grace of God, and it's the essence of the second part being a profane person. A.W. Tozer said about this passage, and if you know A.W. Tozer, he's not one to, to take sin lightly. He has a very prophetic, had a prophetic, very prophetic voice. He said that bitterness has done more harm to the church and to the cause of Christ and to the gospel than lust or adultery or many of the other sins that we would think of. I believe that that is true. And that's why the writer says, pay attention. You see, I don't think most of us enjoy being bound by bitterness. We don't enjoy being enslaved to those hard feelings. We don't enjoy carrying the grudge. It's like uh, E. Stanley Jones says that a rattlesnake, when it's cornered sometimes, it will sometimes get angry and it will bite itself. And that's what bitterness does. We end up harming and hurting ourselves, as we'll see in just a moment. And we don't enjoy that and we want to be free. I want you to know this morning that by the grace of God, you and I can be free from this poisonous plant of bitterness. What does this plant look like? Well, you'll see it right here in the text. It's very simple. There's three parts to it. First of all, he says, watch for, be diligent, look diligent for the root of bitterness. You see that in the text. He says, less any root of bitterness. Now, this is specifically talking about a bitterness toward the work that God is doing in our lives, but it's true of any kind of bitterness What is the root of bitterness? Where does it come from? There are many seeds of bitterness. Sometimes it's a word that someone spoke. Sometimes it's something they didn't say. That person didn't even speak to me. 
And something as small as that, that may have, have many, many reasons and many ideas behind it. Or sometimes a person will walk into a room and they'll see two people talking and when they walk in, they quit. Well, we know automatically, we know what they're doing, right? They're talking about me. Well, maybe they are and maybe they're not, but we don't know that. But we take offense to it. Sometimes it's what a person does, sometimes it's what a person didn't do. That person did not do this when I expected them to. And there's a bit of an anger, there's a bit of resentment that begins to build up. And that's that seed of bitterness. It's a word, it's a thought, it's a memory. It's anything that brings out anger in us. It's, it's anything that causes that, us to be resentful or irritated or angry. That root is there. And this is what we have to watch for. This is where we have to deal with it. If you wait until it's grown and you wait till it's productive, then it's going to defile many. It's going to hurt you. But we deal with it now. That's why he says, look, diligently, be careful in watching for it. So many roots of bitterness I've experienced over the years and seen over the years. People that got their feelings hurt because someone um, did something to them or to someone they loved. Or sometimes they're bitter toward the people around them because they hold bitterness towards something that happened in the past. And that bitterness builds up and it begins to spill out on those around, not even the people that had nothing to do with it. Listen to me carefully this morning. I have no way ever desire to purposefully offend anyone. But I know that despite our best efforts, sometimes we do. We offend. We hurt. We say things or don't say things. And we have no idea that we've done it. And I want to say, because I, my desire for you is for you to pull out any, even potential seed of bitterness or root of bitterness if I've done anything that has offended or hurt or is a potential for causing resentment and bitterness, please let me know. I, I want to help. I want to get to the root of it. Let's deal with it. Let's not let it spring up because it will hurt you and it will hurt those around you. But he says there's a root of bitterness. Get to the root of it. But then there's not only the root, but notice the next phrase that he uses. This is the, the shoot of bitterness. This is the full plant, the, the stem and the branches and the leaves. He says, lest any root of bitterness springing up. This is the experience of it as bitterness that starts out with just a root and it's under the surface and sometimes you don't even know that it's there. You can look at a person and they can have a smile on their face and they may be hiding deep rooted bitterness and they don't even show it. It's under the surface. You may have forgotten about it. You may have tucked it away because bitterness and resentment can be painful and it can be a heavy burden to bear. You can tuck it away. You can bury it deep. And you've even almost tried, it's like you're trying to forget about it because it's so painful. You don't want to bring it back up. And so this root is there, but then it, it will spring forth. I want you to hold your finger in Hebrews chapter 12, and I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, because here Paul describes this, this springing up. How does it spring up? How does bitterness progress from a root into a full plant? We need to understand this if we're going to look diligently and watch for it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Let some bitterness. Some of y'all are still turning to get there, so you might not have caught what I did, but does it say let some bitterness? All. You know what the Greek word for all means? All. It means exactly what the English word means. It means all. Let all bitterness. Then he says, these words are not just random words. He says, and wrath. 
Wrath is the, it's, it's anger on the inside. It has the sense of a smoldering. It's that bank of coals that you hope is there. If you've ever had a wood stove and you've let the wood burn all night, and you hope when you get up the next morning that the coals have not gone out because it's much easier to, st to stir up a fire when there's some coals there. And you go in and there's just that, that smoldering heat. Now that's in a positive way, but in a negative way, there's heat and it's just smoldering inside. Some people, the bitterness has not come out yet, but it's just burning on the inside. And it's just waiting for the right elements to come along and stir up that bitterness and that bitterness can come pouring out. I've seen some of the most mild-mannered people explode with anger. Why? It didn't happen overnight. It was held on the inside, and that bitterness was there. It was smoldering. But then he goes <coughs> from wrath. He says not only wrath, but anger. This is when it comes on the outside. It's the flames, that smol those smoldering coals that has just the right element comes on it. The, the wind blows across it, or there's something combustible is placed on it. And suddenly it burst into flames. You see a person who's at this point where they're starting to burn with bitterness. It did not happen overnight. That root was there. That seed was there. And it was beginning to grow. But then he moves on. It goes, it never stays that way. It never shows just the expression of anger. But then the next word he uses is clamor. This is a loud, repetitious, aggravating noise. This is when we begin to express now we're going to start speaking. We're going to start saying things. It's going to come out in our tone of voice. It's going to come out in what we say to people. But then it moves beyond that to something else. Now it moves to evil speaking. Evil speaking is when we get specific. We begin to express our bitterness. You know, part of the danger of this is that seldom is that bitterness expressed to the person that caused it. It is often expressed to the people closest around us. It can also evoke bitterness in them because they are the, they're the ones who receive it. But we begin to speak and we begin to say things. Do you know that there are some people who say hurtful things that they never really mean, but they are hurting on the inside? It's an old saying, but hurt people hurt people. People who have been hurt are often the ones who will hurt others. And they'll say things that they never would have said. It's evil speaking. If I, well, if I could just get my hands around their neck. I've never done anything. Pretty, but boy, we start to say those things. Husbands and wives will say things to each other that they never would have said because they've allowed bitterness. And sometimes it's not toward the spouse. Sometimes it's toward somebody else. But the nearest person around is the one that gets lashed out at. Have you ever seen a, an animal, a dog that's wounded? And he may even bite the hand that's trying to help it. Why? Because he's hurt, and he hurts others. And I've seen people hurt the people that are trying to help them because bitterness has reached the point of not just evil speaking, but then he says one more word here, be put away from you with all malice. This is a desire to harm. And it doesn't start with the desire to harm. It starts with bitterness. And then the fire begins to grow and it explodes. Some people explode pretty quickly and instantly, and some people take some time. You know, I believe there's maybe somebody here this morning, and you have hurt relationships around you. You've hurt yourself, and you've hurt others because you didn't deal with bitterness, and you feel like you're bound by that bitterness. 
You don't want to be bitter. You don't want to be angry. You don't want to hold resentment toward a person. You don't want to be in that condition, but you hold it's there, and you need to be freed from it. I want you to see in a moment how the grace of God frees us from this poisonous plant. It is by his grace that we can overcome it, and you can be free from that resentment toward that person that hurt you years ago or that person who hurt you this week or that incident or even toward God himself and what God has done or hasn't done in your life. So we've seen the root. The writer describes that. And then we see the shoot as the plant comes up and the leaves grow on it. But here's the fruit of bitterness. Look back in verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man, it can happen to any of us, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up, here's the fruit, trouble you and thereby many be defiled. We deal with it early because when it comes to fruit, first of all, he says it will trouble you. It's going to hinder you. It's going to hurt you. I don't have the time this morning to go into all the things that bitterness and resentment and anger can do to an individual. It can hurt you emotionally. It can hurt you relationally. Boy, how many people are, nobody wants to be near them because they're so bitter. It hurts you physically. There are physical things that being bitter and angry do to you. But above all, it hurts you spiritually. You see what he says, without holiness and without peace with others, no man can see God. It hinders your fellowship with God. Why? Because I can't be angry and bitter towards someone else. If I come and bring my gift to the altar and remember that my brother has all against me, I go first to my brother and I make it right, and then I bring my gift to God. My relationship with God is affected by my relationship to others. But it doesn't just affect me. You see, there's a lot of people who are bound up by bitterness within, but it is destroying those around them. Do you see what he says there? And thereby, by the bitter fruit, many be defiled. Who are defiled? Who are troubled? It affects others. It affects marriages. It affects your children. It affects friendships. I have seen friends that were friends for years, and some problem came up, and they're divided and they won't, now they'll have nothing to do with each other. Churches that have split and had divisions because of bitterness that rises up. Communities. All of these are those around us. And those who are closest to us, first of all, are the ones who can hurt us the most. David said in the Psalms, he said, if it had been an enemy that reproached me, I could, have, I could have stood it. We expect those that hate us and those who are enemies and those far away from us, and it doesn't bother us as much. It doesn't hurt us as much. But when those who are closest, but he said it was a man, a man of my friends, mine equal. We went to the house of God together. We went to, we had fellowship together. We ate together. We spent time together. He lifted up his heel against me. And there was, there was bitterness in David's soul because of what someone close to him did. Whoever hurts you and the bitterness that you may be in bondage to this morning, I'm not saying that what they did was not real, but how, you, how it affects you, it may have been from the person closest to you at the time. And it hurts. But then what happens is, as the bitter fruit comes up in our lives, 
it begins to hurt most the people that are closest to us. And a person who's angry, a dad who is angry, will sometimes lash out at his children who really haven't done that much, maybe have misbehaved, or but they'll lash out. Or a mom will lash out at a, a wife will lash out at a husband because of bitterness from her past. Or a friend will lash out, or, and they'll hurt others around them because they too have been hurt. That's the fruit of bitterness. Boy, God keep us from ever reaching that point where the fruit is evident in our lives. How do we... How are we free from this? Is it possible for us to be free from this? It is, absolutely. I want you to know this morning that if you are bound by something that happened in your past and you've tried to get past it and you've wanted to get past it and maybe you've acted in bitterness, maybe you've tried to hide that bitterness, maybe you've tried to overcome it and by strength of will, I'm not going to be angry about this. I'm not even going to think about it. (coughs) And then what happens? Someone mentions a name. You see a face. You, you have a memory of something that happens, and boy, it all comes flooding back. Isn't it, a, isn't it a blessing and yet a curse that God allows us to store uh, reels of memory of things that happened? And things that happened years ago can suddenly come back to us. How can we be free from that? Only by the grace of our great God. That's why when we're singing about how great God is, it's not just some wild truth out there. Wow, God is great. God is great enough, and his grace is great enough to free us from this and to help us overcome the bitterness that binds us. You can be free from that. How do we do that? How do we looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God? This is the work of grace in our life. And if we fail of that, if we don't keep up with that, and that doesn't take place, then we'll fall into bitterness. So if a lack of the work of grace in my life allows me or causes me to fall into bitterness, then it is only by the work of grace in my life that I'm going to be free from that bitterness. And I want you to know this morning, you can. You can be free. You can put that in the past. You can be free from the feelings and the anger that comes up. Is there somebody's name that you hear that your face just flushes and you feel that anger? Is there an embarrassing moment that happened and you've been bitter over the person that embarrassed you and every time you see that person, you feel that that emotion all over again? Don't you want to be free from that? Don't you want to stop from defiling those around you, your children, your spouse, your friends? Absolutely we do. So how do we do it? Only by the grace of God. Let me give you quickly three things in closing this morning. Here's here's what to pray for. Here's what to seek. First of all, find the root. Find the root. This may be a little bit painful. This takes a little effort. But look diligently for the root that is causing this bitterness. If you feel anger over a situation, if you feel anger towards someone, and it may just be mild and say, Preacher, I'm not, I'm not ready to go choke them. I'm not ready to do anything harmful to them. I've not, reached, I've not reached malice yet. Yet. But apart from the grace of God, we'll all move from bitterness to malice. So we find that when it's in its root form, Find the root. Here's a prayer to pray. God, give me sight to see what's causing this. Show me, Lord, show me this morning who it is that I'm still angry at. If you find yourself lashing out in anger at those around you, it may not be those around you that are causing it. 
look for what it is. Why, why do I feel anger? Why do I have such strong resentments? Look for it. Find the root. Number two, forgive the hurt. Oh, wait a minute now. You just went from hard to harder. <laughs> How can I forgive? You remember where we were back in Ephesians 4.31? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and malice and clamor and evil speaking and be put away from you. Do you remember what the next verse says? And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You know what God forgiving me is? It's one word. It's grace. And the same grace that God forgives me is the grace that enables me to forgive someone else. Oh, wait a minute, preacher. I, you, I can't forgive them. What they did was wrong. Forgiveness isn't about saying what they did was right. Forgiveness is letting go of it and say, I'm not going to let what they did continue to hurt me. I'm not going to be the rattlesnake that bites myself. Forgive. Forgive the hurt. And then thirdly, and I've got to change this because the 8 o'clock service, just their mind went to the wrong place. Fight the weed. <laughs> their mind went to a different kind of weed. I know y'all's would not, though. See, y'all didn't even laugh at that because y'all are the 10 o'clock crowd. Fight the poisonous plants. Why? Because it's going to keep coming back. Some time ago, we had a plant next to our house, and I wanted to put some things there, and so I, I kept trying to get as deep down as I could and clean it all out so we could put some stones there. And it didn't matter what I did. You know what ha kept happening? It just kept coming back. And it didn't take very long. It just seemed like overnight. And I'd clean it out again, and I kept digging and kept, and I get deeper and deeper. And I, man, it was, it was, had a pretty good sized hole. And finally, I had to get, I don't know what y'all call them around here. We used to call them a grub and hoe. Is that what y'all, grub and hoe? Wide end, narrow end. I'm seeing some nods. Some of y'all look like you hadn't touched a tool in your life. So I'm going to call it a grub and hoe. And I had to dig deep and I had to get down, not just the branch roots that were coming out, but the, to the central root that was there. And I had to chop it, and I had to dig around it, and I had to pull it out. And I'm still not sure that I got it all out. But I had to get to the root. Why? And I had to keep fighting it. I had to keep fighting that weed and that plant until finally it was gone. And there is, this is a battle. You have to fight it. And the only way that you can fight it is by the grace of God. But when you call out, aren't you glad that when we call out for God's grace, He supplies all the grace that we need. When he says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory, he's not just talking about food on our table and clothes on our back and a house to live in. He is talking about the grace that you and I will need to make it through every day. And God says, don't fail of that grace. Don't miss out on that grace, but rest in that grace and win in that grace and fight the battle against this, this bitterness that can spring up. We fight it with the Word of God. We fight it with prayer. We fight it with the Holy Spirit. This morning, I don't know what stage of bitterness might be in your heart. There may be somebody here today that is reaping the consequences of the fruit of bitterness. It's come to full fruition. And you're experiencing that, and you may need to come to this altar, and you may need to say, God, you may need to cry out for some grace. God, I've let this go too far. Please help me beat this bitterness. There may be some of you who are sitting here this morning and you say, I'm not going to that altar. Somebody's going to think that's the stage I'm in. He says, lest any of you 
Your bitterness may be just something small. Someone came to me between the services and said, I wanted to talk with you about this. And it was not something huge, and it had not gotten out of hand, not gone to a great extent, but there was something that they were hurt about, and so I was able to make that right with them. Was that enjoyable for me? No, but if it'll help pull that root, I'll be happy to do that. Fight with grace. Cry out for grace. You may need to come this morning and say, I've been fighting this for a long time. I want to be free from my bitterness. I want to be free from the resentment toward that person. I want to be free from my anger toward that situation, that, cons- that circumstance, that thing that someone said, that thing that someone did. You can be free because our great God has great grace. And it's not just great in quantity. It is great in power. Will you be free? Will you experience the grace that overcomes bitterness? Father, I pray this morning for each one here. Speak to our hearts. I pray that we will respond in the way that you would call us to. And Lord, if there's, whether it's a small thing or a large thing, may we not worry about what someone will think. May we not worry about anything but falling on our knees before you and calling out for your grace. Lord, free. I pray for bonds to be broken and people to be freed this morning from the chains that would hold them from this root of bitterness, lest it spring up and not just trouble them, not just defile them, but trouble many. Lord, I pray for families that are being torn apart, marriages that are being torn apart because of long-held bitterness. I pray for our community, and I pray for individual lives and friendships that are being hurt. And above all,